0: Hello and welcome back to the Pod of Never. This is your host, Matthew Nanez. So this is a continuation from last week's uh, detour um, of the Day 2 series. And it's funny because all the members in the band, we have a a band text. But every once in a while, we'll get one of the... uh, some uh, a su- some uh, supporting character of our circle in a text, and we'll just keep talking or whatever. Um, but one day, uh, an old graphic designer of, us, of, of ours, um, Adam Tolman, or who we love to call AT, Adam Tolman, um, he texted us, and he was like, hey, Matt's doing all of these interviews. Why doesn't someone interview Matt? <laughs> And and so we were talking and we thought AT was a really good choice to interview me um, because he was, while he was inside of our circle, he hasn't been a part of these conversations whatsoever. And so he'd been listening to all the podcasts and thought it would be a good idea. And I thought it was going to be a good idea too. And he did uh, a great job of interviewing me. I thought he was going to grill me, but he didn't. He was nice. And I live to see another day. So this podcast is him interviewing me. And it was such a great time to talk about um, the band and, and my point of view. Because I don't really talk a lot about myself in, you know, whether it be in the uh, the first part of the podcast. Or sometimes I'll talk about myself, you know, during an interview. But this was... Um, If you're ever interested in what I thought about it all, (laughs) uh, this would be a a good one to listen to. Um, But before that, I I have an announcement to make. Next Friday, I will be releasing uh, my next single called Celestial Skies on June 5th. It will be available everywhere on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever else you get your music. Uh, Basically, the song is just an encapsulation of all the awkward teenage feelings you, you have, or specifically I had. Um, so it's not really about like any one person in general, but I've been, I've been listening. I had been listening to a lot of beach slang a couple of years ago. I still love that band a lot. Uh, basically their whole thing is like the teenage feelings. So I'm like, okay, well, if I, if I did that, what would that mean for me? <laughs> and so out came, uh, the song. So I wrote it, um, a couple years ago, when I first moved to Nashville, I was by myself and I was crashing on my friend Bradley's floor. Um, Bradley and, him and his now wife went away to vacation somewhere and I was there at the house by myself with my recording equipment and I started recording the song. So over the last couple of years, I've been tweaking with the song and adding some things and remixing and mixing and I finally figured it out. I think it's time for it to be released into the wild. So um, before it comes out on streaming services on June 5th, I'm going to play it for you right now. So enjoy the song and then we'll get to uh, the interview of Adam Tolbin interviewing me about day two. Enjoy. of masks now. Yeah. I got I got, I got this. It's a good looking
1: mask, man. That's yeah, that's like nice. Some, that's like a designer mask.
0: Some gal here in Tennessee, like Melissa Founder, and she bought like uh, a family pack of masks for us. So
1: nice. I'm walking around in like a like a work mask, one of those like hardware masks.
0: Oh, like the cheap yeah.
1: ones, the real They're real cheap ones. <laughs> trying to make them last.
0: It probably it still works though.
1: I mean yeah, it, it covers my nose and mouth, which it does its job for sure.
0: Do you work from home right now?
1: Yep, I've been working home from home. So the, the new job I got a few months ago was a remote. They were completely remote, so I was working from the kiln, which is like a co-work space, mm-hmm. um, like the gateway here in Salt Lake, and they have one in Lehigh. But So I was there for a bit, and then it, all the craziness happened. I was like, yeah, yeah i got to go home. And now I'm trying to figure out if I should go work from the kiln again. It's because yeah. there's a lot of benefits of being at home. But a downsides, no doubt. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been at home. I'm downstairs in the basement. I've got a desk. Ollie and Sierra are mostly upstairs. So for the most part, um, we're separated. The other day, it was pretty funny, a couple of days ago, I was on a call with like one of our clients, and Ollie had just woken up from his nap. It was like 3 in the afternoon, 3.30. And I look in my own Zoom like the little, little thumbnail that has yourself in the corner. And yeah. behind me, I see Ollie walking up in his underwear, <laughs> shirt off, no pants, just woke up from his nap. And Sarah had gone for a walk. And he walks up. He's like, Where's mom? <laughs> 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 the client was a video call. She thought it was adorable. So I'm always, always making friends with, with work folk. But it was, uh, yeah, those are the types of things that happen in the COVID age everybody kind of gets to know each other at a more intimate level. Cause you get to see like their background, you know, I'm assuming this is what people see when they're working with you all the time. Or, yeah. So <laughs> you get to see a, a peek into people's personal lives in a way you wouldn't have normally, which is kind of fun. A little crazy, but it's all, it's all crazy.
0: Bonkers indeed.
1: <laughs> yeah. So are you, are you prepared to grill me? So that was the joke. The joke was I was going to find, dig up all the dirt I could and just come at you. But I am, I've i got a handful of questions that I think would be good to ask. It's not a lot different from what you've been asking the rest of the dudes in the band. Um, but I imagine being the interviewee is different than being the interviewer. Um, yeah, and I'm been, I'm not sure. Have you been like interviewed for a podcast before?
0: How I, you know what? It's always me. No way. I've, I've been interviewed twice. I've been interviewed okay. twice. Yeah. I'm pretty, okay. I'm pretty sure. So, but, but most of the part, it's just, most of the time it's, it's me. So I've been on the, I am Salt Lake podcast, like two or three times, something like that.
1: Okay, That's cool. about it. Nice. Well, you've talked to all Well, I guess I should say I shouldn't say all because there's been very um, I don't even know if you could count all the actual members of day two over the years from beginning to end. There's probably a lot, but you've talked to four of the five, you being the fifth of like the moment in which the record was released and you guys toured and all that stuff. Right. Like the I don't know if I would call the heyday or not, but like the. Yeah. the when the seat when the record came out it was the five of you correct
0: yeah um because what had happened was the record w- wasn't all the way done yet but nick and tony Debico were still in the band but then they mm-hmm. left like when the record was like just about to be done because i remember playing like a couple tracks before it got released and then we added one more which was Goulet. so if if you uh-huh, have, yeah, if, if someone I has, I have the original
1: pressing of that, the pink one. You remember the how it pink was pink? One. Yeah, the limited one? Yeah. edition. <laughs> yeah, the accidental limited edition, right? Yeah. So, like, wh-
0: whoever, like, it was me, Jake, um, Kevin, Sheldon, and Matt. We were the ones who were touring on that record, like for the most
2: part, like mm-hmm. the
0: first, the first year and a half of that record's life. It was, it was us.
1: So. yeah yeah well i'm um, having interviewed all those guys how's it how was the um trip down memory lane how's it been for the last several weeks of doing it
0: it was it was really cool because like one thing that i was was finding out was and i mentioned this throughout the podcast as well like everyone had their side of the story that had no idea that they thought yeah things. or like for instance like jake he was like oh i didn't like contribute much of anything whereas mm-hmm. like he he played on you know on the record too like a couple a couple songs in the record as well mm-hmm. you know and he he put in just as many miles as any of us mm-hmm. and um and and, and talking to switzer was interesting because when i was 18 19 years old the way i thought about him is that he had his crap together and he was like the financial guru yeah. business guy but, like, I mean, it could be him just completely being um, humble. Humble. Like, yeah. <laughs> humble, but, like, he was kind of talking as if, like, oh, I didn't know what the heck I was doing.
1: Yeah. Like, you sure,
0: you sure faked it if that's the case.
1: That, yeah, Switzer was always one of those guys. He's um, it was always, like, an inspiration because he um, knew how to figure something out. And if he didn't know something, you know, he didn't know how to do it, he'd figure it out. And he was – he inspired confidence i think of other people what i mean if he didn't know what he was doing i think he definitely fooled, fooled people so but
0: yeah a good and, thing yeah and, and and it was i don't know it was just cool to hear everyone's uh stories because um something that kevin mentioned was like roles in the band like mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. think other than like myself thinking about matt being business dude and then me and sheldon being like the bookers or anything like that like i think if we were older like we would have been able to actually like um just made those roles like not so much more of a reality but like recognize
1: like recognize the strengths oh you're good at this you're good at this this, you know yeah purposeful is a good word kind of divide and conquer based off people's strengths and interests and all that kind of stuff yeah
0: absolutely absolutely and um you know it's the shoulda woulda coulda of it all <laughs> it's like oh man we probably could have like made so much better decisions <laughs> along the way that could have prevented like either like like bad thoughts or whatever else like who knows if we could have made another record but
1: you know that's the each. trick of life though if you're looking back at it and you're realizing all the foolish decisions you made that's probably a good sign And <laughs> it For means sure. you're learning learning from your mistakes hopefully so Hopefully. Well, so, so tell me this. So you, you I listened to all of the interviews, and there was somewhat of an arc um, to the interview, and I would like to follow that same arc if it's okay with you. I don't want to oh, yeah. hijack, your, hijack your own podcast. But so tell me about, and we got a peek at this a little bit with the interviews because there's kind of some banter back and forth, forth about how you met guys in the band and everything. But I would like to get to know, and I think I know this about you a little bit, uh, we've been friends for a long time, but tell me how you originally got into music. So both in terms of music in your love for it, just generally speaking, but also kind of getting, getting into playing and writing music.
0: Yeah. So where, where it all began, I think, like being like four or five years old, like I was, I was, I'm a military kid, so we moved around everywhere. So, Mm -hmm. um, at the time as far as like as far as back as my memory takes me we were living in las vegas and my sister is two and a half years older than i am so she was watching tv and i don't know if like she was watching like mtv my parents, i don't know if our parents let us to do certain things but like she was getting into like 80s pop so that was like mm-hmm. new kids on the block
1: The cure like,
0: debbie not even the cure i'm talking about like pop like oh debbie got it gibson yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah, tiffany yeah, yeah. <laughs> And she like would make me perform with her, like in front of like our family and neighbors and I love stuff. I, and love I remember it. feeling like super shy and, and everything like that. But like I was enjoying the music too, you know. Um, <laughs> but then we ended up overseas in, in Italy, and music was pretty rare there. Like we didn't have MTV. Um, we only had one American radio station. The armed forces network or whatever
2: yeah sure. um
0: but every now and again the, uh, we'd found this like italian channel that would play music videos every once in a while so like we would get to see like a nirvana music vi- video sometimes or
1: so american music being american played music played yeah like that, mixed
0: yeah. in with like european like dance you know like I that music video was on like every like other hour so for me, like my experience with that song is so much different because everyone thinks about like uh, "Night at the Roxbury."
2: Yeah, with that yeah. song. But
0: for me, I'm like, I remember seeing the video. It's in my head, and so um, <laughs> yeah, the, I have no frame of reference for that. I will have to look that up after this. Like other, like I almost like asked for that CD before it was like <laughs> funny, you know? <laughs> so,
2: yeah, that so decision one,
0: would not age well,
2: probably. No, it
0: wouldn't. But uh, one decision that did age well was that my mom because um, i was like playing her tapes on her walkman so she ended up getting me like the two beatles uh greatest hits of like there was like a red and a blue version was like, it that early... anthology stuff something not the like it didn't come out like that it was like if you it was like a really old pressing oh okay so okay. yeah it was like red and blue um and so we listened to that and then at the time that's when wayne's world was big and queen oh, yeah. being a rap city got like big at that time
1: second life yeah
0: yeah and um and so she bought us like queen's greatest hits as well so like i played those all the time and then when we moved over back to the states like that's when like like oh yeah like mtv holy crap you know and Mm -hmm. i remember seeing what year is this
1: was like mid 90s or something
0: yeah then like 94. okay um and i remember seeing smashing pumpkins today Mm-hmm. that or like the video for rocket or something at my cousin's house in Texas. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. And he, he had the CD. And so I was like mm-hmm. coveting his Smashing Pumpkin CD.
3: Yeah.
1: But that like, Siamese dream record was like a big deal when it yeah, came out. It was so good.
0: I, I listened to it today while I was working. Um, but I think when we got settled in um, back in back, not back in Utah, but like in, in Utah, that's when I was like getting into the radio, Q ninety nine X ninety six, that sort mm-hmm. of, thing. and still like watching the crap out of MTV. So like Oasis, Weezer, Smashing Pumpkins, um, Foo Fighters, like that first Foo Fighters album. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I would see them like playing guitar and, and whatnot, and I remember wanting to play drums first. Um, So like yeah, the guitar is cool, but I really want to play the drums instead But like the problem is living on the Air Force Base is that you're living in a duplex So whoever your neighbors with it probably wasn't going to fly Um, So my mom bought me this little like practice pad Mm -hmm. It's like why are you giving me like some hope? (laughs) This isn't gonna this doesn't do anything (laughs) It's a big trick yeah it's uh, it's a much
1: much cheaper and more practical than a drum set. that's for sure yeah
0: but like all i want to to do is beat the crap out of it you know
1: yeah (laughs) a good way to learn your rudiments i guess but not to have fun playing the drums
0: right and so i think my mom realized that i was kind of handcuffed Mm -hmm. and i did like well enough in school so she bought me uh, an electric guitar with a little crappy crate practice amp was like a a knockoff Stratocaster, but she got me lessons though. So I, I, so I immediately wanted to play all the songs I loved, and and I remember like six months into it, I asked the guy, "Yeah, but when can I write songs?"
3: <laughs> and he's like,
0: uh "Like, because I don't think he was that kind of guy. He was just like teaching me. Like, he would teach me songs, but I, what I was really trying to ask him was like, teach me how to write songs. Yeah, 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 and." He didn't really do anything for me
1: with that. And so but yeah, like
0: that's how teaching, somebody, I got teaching it.
1: somebody to write seems like a much more complicated uh challenge than teaching somebody how to play some power chords.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know if I could do that. Like yeah. teach someone how to write a song. Cause like there's a certain basis of like knowledge that like not you should have because I don't think Kurt Cobain really knew like all like the, uh, theory or anything like that. He was just playing power chords and he ended up making really catchy songs that sounded disgusting, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but like he was a great songwriter. And so, um, but from learning songs like disarm or Mm -hmm. today or whatever else, I was starting to notice like patterns. Of how certain songs were constructed and the little bit of theory that i was learning through this guitar player it started to connect like mm-hmm. oh yeah like an open a chord i know in my head it sounds a certain way so whenever i'd hear it on the stereo i'd be able to be like oh that's an a oh nice yeah but but i thought everyone knew how to do that but apparently like not a lot of people know how to know how to do that like even yeah really sure confident. even today that's that's hard mm-hmm. But um. But yeah, but that's that's where it all all started, really was just realizing like it was fun to play other people's stuff. But like when you're a pre like a preteen, early teenager, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in life and you've got to figure out how to get it out somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'd be in school just like scribbling, you know, little like I would love slash hate to see what I wrote back then because like it's probably so gag worthy like uh.
1: yeah that's the case when any creative person looks at the their early work right it's like a on one side you're um flabbergasted that that you even thought it was good enough to like continue doing the thing (laughs) on the other side you you recognize that it was you know a step step in the right direction anytime i look at any old thing i did i'm always a little uncomfortable <laughs> well, it's that's funny. probably a, a, again probably a good sign it's probably better be uncomfortable in those situations than you know complacent so
0: yeah it's mm-hmm. funny because kevin he's posting like a lot of old merch which like mm-hmm. i know for a fact like you probably did and i'm like i wonder how at feels about nautical stars
1: oh you know it's funny about that yeah like i um i mean it wasn't recently It was probably a year or two ago but i was poking around a bunch of old design work and came across the day two stuff reliving you know, the good old days and there's some real bad stuff in there, but there's also some stuff that was, you know, pretty fun, pretty cool, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's a similar thing. Anytime anyone looks at your past creative work, it's a, it's a, it's it's uncomfortable and um, encouraging, I guess is the right word.
0: Would you gag if we reprinted some of the stuff?
1: No, I think (laughs) some of the stuff too, early stuff, Tony did. Tony was doing a lot of design stuff. I know that, um, that, that, popular hoodie with the planes on it tony did so i know okay tony i thought was that done. was
0: you the whole time
1: no i've done i took over some of that stuff after he left the band but he he was the original even that original tree logo thing yep I tony remember. did that and then a handful of other like stickers and other other things but so so getting back to you i mean i'm curious like with the writing music so it sounds like as soon as you could learn how to play music, you were interested in writing music and we probably attempting to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and figuring that out, recognizing notes and chords. And so I'm, I'm curious, do you like remember something earlier? I mean, do you, do you remember like the first song you ever wrote on the guitar? Uh,
0: one of the first uh, I'm sure there's like some stuff that has uh, kind of slipped my mind. But even as like you're asking now like I remember uh I remember a certain chord progression that ended up being like I got the chords for my smashing pumpkin song but for some reason it sounds like Bush's Machine Head. <laughs> <laughs> but like I don't but I, I feel like if I did that early, now it might just be early, cool. Early Bush anything. is
1: great for the record. Early Bush is way good 16 stones are fantastic album. yeah and,
0: and but what's funny about that is that i one of the first songs i ever wrote um i did it for like an honors english creative project and all right my sophomore year of high school but what <laughs> had happened was that like it never like it never felt like complete uh, and what happened once i was jamming with uh alex and liz Mm-hmm. I, I played the verse core, the, the, uh, the chord progression of the verse. Well, that ended up being the swans. and never song, in the last thing you hear because the, the, the opening, uh, the opening part of the song, which you hear on the beginning of this podcast, actually. So it's, yeah, that, buffer that's, music.
1: Like, that's good. Uh, buffer music. I like it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so, um, so it's not the verse, the, the verse chord progression was never in my old school version. Um, the chorus was never in my old school version, but that first intro plus um, the bridge, the intro and the bridge are part of the old song. So that has lived <laughs> for over 20 years and finally made it onto a record. So I deleted some stuff. Sure, yeah. But like those parts live on forever.
1: <laughs> I like it. There's there's some kind of... Um interesting truth in that from like an artistic perspective kind of you know everything is a remix concept right
2: mm-hmm. kind of
1: taking something and remixing it remixing it the the original thread of that thing is still there but it's taking on new life i like that
0: yeah and i didn't i didn't expect it to become anything it was one of those things where like because we never were like a jam band like as far as i did we didn't just like jam on stuff i usually brought songs or pretty much more or less done but we were just kind of dinking around and I just like you know just that that chord progression and that just we wrote it pretty much wrote itself within an hour mm. like, with those parts yeah in mind so um yeah it's it's kind of crazy like even like p- some parts of the lyrics even made it through now and it was about like something else completely back then but I just kind of like took it <laughs> to be like uh, purposeful, not purposeful, but like it. Just there was like a need I had it for that song. I just needed it to be done. Yeah. And so like, yeah. oh, I have these lyrics, and there's nothing. It's like the song that I have that means the least <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know, it just needed to be done, so we did. Oh, it. you needed to
1: write it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. That's a good story. So, so I was thinking about this. One of the earlier memories I have of you, I think probably the earliest memory. I don't know if it's the first time I met you or not my brain doesn't work very well in my old age but um I was at some kind of Battle of the Bands I think you had talked about this with some of the guys and I'm not sure if it was the same one or not but it was like a roller skating rink type thing I don't know if it actually Classic was but skating. it was okay so I remember you were in my white room and um and I didn't know who you were but and then I we eventually I had joined another band and we played a show with you and was it Casey, right? Yeah. Um, and, but anyway, this is, I don't know when this was, but this is a, I remember this kind of short, funny kid. who was a really good musician. And I was like in this like weird band. And he was just like a kid. That's so I remember about you. And so I'm curious, like, how did you get into playing music in a band? Like maybe my white room and how eventually, I know you had met some of the other guys in dates two and kind of connected up that way. But, before day two days like what what you know what tell I me mean, about band life before that yeah so when i had
0: um gotten my guitar and, and amp um you know i had my set of friends on hill, hill air force base right but uh one of my best friends he and he was a drummer i guess his neighbors were cool with it which is funny because like <laughs> his whole cul-de-sac was cool with it because they'd have cul-de-sac parties. Like it'd be a weekend and everyone would just drink beer and like play a lot of music. So, like, oh. it was fine. I'm like, that's I- like the dream I- as a kid, man. That's great. Yeah. yeah and, he, and he had it. Um, but his brother also played guitar. And so we just ended up jamming. And he, they were like my jam buddies. We'd play like talent shows at junior high, mm-hmm. like all throughout junior high. Um, but they ended up, his, his, their, uh, their dad ended up retiring and they moved to Missouri. And so I was like bandless for a while. (laughs) And so there was a couple of years where I was kind of like floundering, but once I hit high school, there was more kids coming in from other like from, from other areas of Mm -hmm. Syracuse, Clearfield, Utah area. And that's where I met uh, Casey. You went to
1: Clearfield High School? I went to Clearfield. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, So that's where you met Casey. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I met Casey. And so I was like, Oh, he can play. That's cool. And he was playing in this like gutter punk band called Scabies.
1: Ah, uh, that sounds familiar for some reason. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they like loved op ivy and uh like leftover crack and show like just like really like gross <laughs> like crest punk. But um but what had happened was I made some friends uh, who were older than me. One of them was Dave Hill. Um, and we just we ended up being really into like at the drive-in. And like mm-hmm. Refused and International Noise conspiracy so we're like we we were saying like oh we're like a socialist communist band because we love like Refused <laughs> <laughs> Noise conspiracies. So we like dressed alike at shows. Like we had like a uniform and everything, but like we just went off. Like we were just like a crazy band. Like yeah, we, we if if there were recordings of us playing live, like it's a mess. Like, uh, but I think we shocked enough people to get like attention (laughs) Um, because we just didn't like stand there playing. You know, we weren't like cardboard cutouts. Like
1: we, which which those types of shows, like the kind of you know early early days shows, classic skating battle of bands type stuff. Like those types of bands stand out for sure. Yeah, like in, and I thought
0: what was interesting is that Uh, because our our peers like you know as far as like the punk crowd like with our in our uh, high school like they supported us like i remember we played a show day two at kilby court we brought like half the kids that came to that show like it was like a pretty good show but uh but we just weren't getting any better and like and if you know casey he plays with cult leader now like he's an insane drummer Mm -hmm. and I, I remember just wanting to be a little bit He was bit, in uh, Gaza for a bit, right? Yeah, he was in Gaza for a little bit too. And we just wanted to be tighter. Like we just wanted to be better, you know. And yeah. so we ended up kicking Dave out. <laughs> and we brought on Mike, uh Michael Mason, who is in cult leader now as well, and another <clears> friend Nate Mon. And so we started this like math rock band called Thieves of Rona. We played five or six shows and then I played with and then I joined day two. Okay. But within those like five or six shows, like we were we open for Minus the Bear, we opened for Pretty Girls Make Graves, Armor for Sleep. Like we wow. like right away, we were like playing these like legit shows, you know? And if anything, like I should have like there's one path I could have taken where I should have stayed with that band and see saw what could happen with that. Mm-hmm. But I remember back then being like hanging around with day two like seeing what they're doing and and how tight they were and i knew they were playing like great shows too and and as much as i was into the weirder like mathy more aggressive stuff i also was like into stuff like thursday and and thrice as well Mm -hmm. so it fit like both lanes of my Mm -hmm. interest but like i just knew that because all i ever wanted to do was like be a quote-unquote like rock star you know Whatever mm-hmm. that meant. I just didn't know. Because I remember like seeing like music videos or like music DVDs and me like, I, it would be great to go on tour and be on a stage and play for people. And I was playing for people in Utah. But like when I got the call to join the band, like, oh, we're going to go on tour. Like there's a record deal here. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do. Like at that moment, like as far as like college, like I knew. You were
1: 18 all the time. Is that right? 18? Yeah. I was. I
0: was, in, I was still in high school. And okay. So I was like, well, I don't know if I want to go to college yet I was looking at some colleges, but I didn't know what I was gonna do um, I thought about being like a journalism major at one point and, then I, and I ended up being becoming one at one point, but it just wasn't time mm-hmm. Yet, you know, I had to, I had to find out what that what this was all about um, this being day two but like but yeah, just playing those early shows, like the Battle of the Band stuff. Uh, were, you, shows, were you playing whatever.
1: guitar or bass in those days? I was playing bass and okay. singing a little bit. Okay. So, so guitar uh, was your first instrument. You started playing bass and a couple of those bands. Obviously played bass in day two. Yeah, because no one else played bass. <laughs> <in my era. laughs> I have like, to tell you, too, and this is um, an aside a little bit. But so you and I were in a band a different type of band Very we're in a band, band. years later <laughs> um and you are always my even to this day my, my favorite book uh, bass player to play with as a drummer uh, both because you you kind of understanding kind of rhythmically how bass and kind of the kick and snare work together but their parts especially like transitions you were really good with transitions From like a verse to a chorus or bridge, and kind of like playing, you know, matching the bass rhythm with like a fill, even if it was just a simple Mm -hmm. fill. Anyway, so you're a very good bass player, so I'm happy that you took on the mantle of playing bass, even if if, because no one else wanted to play.
0: I mean, I don't think my dad appreciated dropping 200 bucks on a new (laughs) bass like after like playing guitar for a while, but like I never gave up the guitar and I didn't need, I mean i didn't need to go to lessons for the bass you know i wasn't trying to be anything like i wasn't trying to be a virtuoso i was just playing the root note yeah like, like you do in like punk songs you know like you couldn't yeah there wasn't much, not much else you could do but then you know as you go on a lot of there's some punk rock bass players who were a little bit crazier like oh okay there is something a little bit more. i don't you
1: just have to play the root note. yeah i can just, yeah, I can just do figure
0: other- it out you know like i was already making that relationship with like how a song is constructed and i was just able to figure it out with my ear to my hands to the, to the neck yeah you know um and so it, it came in handy like learning how to do all that you know because a lot of the day two songs because i was watching them play a lot um at those battle of the bands and and you know i was listening to the ep and going to like any show that i could not for the specific reason of me, like, oh I could join, but like if Mm -hmm. you're around something enough, like you can remember how songs go, even if you haven't, it's not on like CD or or anything like that. And so when it came time for me to, you know, try out, like I already knew Valentine's day before, before it was even on, on a CD or like, take my life or something like that. Which
1: definitely gave you an edge. I'm sure. Plus I knew you. I mean, it made it things helps. easy, I think. <laughs> That's cool. So remind me relationally how you knew um, that you. I know that you had met some folks. It sounded like you might have known Tony and Nick originally, and then met like Swartz and Sheldon. Um, yeah, through them, through early bands like little profile, Free for all folks.
0: Yeah, like I'm trying to remember, like where because I was talking to Sheldon and Matt about the first show I saw them at and, and like not liking them. <laughs> like, <laughs> Classic. I mean. It is what it low is, profile you know? specifically, yeah, low profile. It was like an early, early low profile show, and I was like too punk to, like yeah, yeah, even, yeah, to even entertain the fact that they were good, you know. Um, uh, but they did get better, but like, I think what was happening is that <laughs> low profile was playing with friends' bands, and so I'd go to those shows, and then just by like osmosis, like, oh, hey, like, hey, I'm Sheldon, hey, I'm Matt, you know, yeah, and then with like Nick and Tony. At first, like Nick was this uh, mythological figure in our in our area because he was like he still sta- is
1: in some
0: ways. Yeah, yeah, he really still is. Like he was this sponsored teenage skateboarder who also uh, played the right. drums. Yeah, his, he played played in bands with his brother Tony, who had has his own. Like he compared, like comparing to the two, like Nick was definitely more like. People like talked about him, like oh, Nick (laughs) Domingo. Whereas, like Tony was like the cool customer, like in the back playing in bands. But he also knew how to like design and make websites and stuff. So he had his own mythos about him. And so I think it was just like going to shows and just like meeting them. And then all of a sudden, I was going to parties with them. Parties I I may or may not
1: should have. (laughs) Especially as a yeah, as a teenager at the time.
0: I mean I never gotten tr- I never gotten into too much trouble like if anything like I played it pretty straight the whole time but it was just cool to hang you know yeah, yeah, yeah I mean I had a lot of I had a lot of friends no but like I knew a lot of people and I was involved with like a lot of different things but like those guys was like they yeah they drank and and partied and such but it wasn't like it wasn't as if like it wasn't safe
2: Yeah sure you know
0: yeah. Like, so yep. even though like if if I had to go home and tell my mom, like, oh, there was beers and stuff there, like, A, I rarely, if ever, partook and it was just a good time. Yeah. It was as, as wholesome as drunk people can get.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's the funny thing about that crew. I and mean, when even when we originally met them, that was really what it was about. It's you know, you're it's about good times with good people and there was no never any, you know. I think there's growing up Mormon too, you have this idea of people that drink being, you know, irresponsible and getting into trouble and doing drugs and, you know, really kind of carry on that trail into the, you know, all the bad news that can come with it, but it's completely opposite. Right. And like, not at least my experience, especially with that group of dudes and kind of these combined group of friends, it was, there was a lot of drinking and, but it was always done in the you know in the name of like good times and mutual respect and laughs and love you know never i mean you never see like a fight break out or never you know, people like, doing you know doing anything stupid i mean do you do something stupid but not on the spectrum of stupidity it was on the very very low you know i mean it was like lighthearted stupid
0: yeah and i never like recall weed like I think if weed was in the picture, I probably would have been like, oh, I don't want to be yeah. here anymore. Uh, because like back then I had a certain attitude towards that. Like it was like, mm, no, I probably would have just been like, yeah, they're fun, but I don't want to be around that.
1: Yeah. But like there never was. You, you sound like you're a very um, responsible kid for a, for a teenager. <laughs> well, I mean, I had
0: I had a few bad examples in my life, you know, like whatnot. Because sure. like, there was a moment like in junior high, I'm like, I'm straight edge. Yeah. You know, so like that definitely carried through.
1: That <laughs> was always, that, that was the easy thing. as was growing up Mormon. That was what say when you decided to go to shows. Want to drink? Want beer? No, I'm, I'm straight. I
3: don't man. drink.
1: <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I did that for like a month and I was like, ah, that's not my, that's not my bag.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how, ha- that's how it happened. As far as, I mean, so you know,
1: hanging. I up. have, I have memories. I have like a memory specifically of a, a day two poster. Um, I can't remember her name. She illustrated a bunch of the early posters, like Kilby Court stuff. Leah Bell. Um, Leah Bell. It says, day two, my white room has a dog on it. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about. So you, oh, yeah. uh, you and your band, bef- you know, you had met all those guys, you know, to the time, Tony, Nick, uh, Sheldon, Switzer, Kevin,
2: mm-hmm.
1: before you're playing. So you had played shows with them and you'd known, you'd known, you'd learned the music and that you, so you'd watched them play enough that you kind of knew it. So mm-hmm. when it came time for you to, you know, transition, and they asked you to come play, it was pretty easy transition because you knew them, they knew you, you knew mm-hmm. the music, you knew kind of what you were getting into. It sounds like.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it was an easy decision to make. It wasn't other than like what would happen. Like, oh, what's going to happen when we go on tour? Like, you never know what's going to happen on. But, but it wasn't like an unknown. It's not like I was being poached from a band out of state and I would have to move across the country Mm -hmm. to do this crazy thing you know it was a really easy jump to make you know i didn't get kicked out of my mom's house while i was in the band (laughs) like i was fine i was (laughs) it was it was like a really safe decision like a safe yet crazy because a lot of you know my friends were either going on like mormon missions or going to college Mm -hmm. or getting married
2: yeah, you know,
0: like right out of high school, and so I felt like I was out of step with everything else. You know, like in some in certain ways, it was a very like safe decision, but compared to like a lot of my other friends, like it was kind of bonkers.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, that's interesting. So I'm curious, like your family. I mean, I know your mom and sister. So what were they? What was their reaction for you? Like. It's like going on tour right not getting a job mm-hmm. not going to school not doing these things that are quote-unquote responsible things to do after you graduate high school what was their reaction to your decision they like, were
0: pretty supportive i mean there's so one thing about my family life like my mom was in the military for 20 plus years but she was medically discharged mm-hmm. at 10% disability but along with that you have the gi bill so you had it up until a certain amount of time that you could take advantage of essentially free college up until you're 24. I think I'm pretty sure like that's the age. Got it. Okay. And so. So you had a window, you had a window of time here. I did have a window, but I'm surprised that was never like used against me. (laughs) But I think, so all that to say like, yeah, they were really supportive, but if it were like me, uh, at least maybe in a, a couple of years ago, I might've had the attitude. If it was my mom, I'd be like, what are you doing? You have this opportunity. Like, why, why, why aren't you going to school? You know, but knowing what I know now, you know, with certain attitude changes I've had, like she, I think she understood that this is pretty much all I ever really wanted. You know, I was going,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I was still getting good grades. Um, you know, I would go to like two or three shows almost a week but I was still getting good grades. I was still a responsible kid. I never got any trouble. And then then when it was time to do this, it, I think if I had to put myself in my mom's shoes, yeah, like, all right, cool. Like he's proven himself up to this point. <laughs> like, and so, um, I do think in retrospect, like as far as I think I should have been pushed to like work more, you know, in between tours and whatnot, but I just didn't feel like it, you know, cause I was a mm-hmm. different kind of person back then. So like I was pretty late other than like working on booking for shows. Like I loved yeah. doing that, 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 that was work. Like it sucked, but I loved doing that.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but like going to work, you know, as a janitor somewhere did not appeal to me whatsoever. Yep. So in, in one hand it was like, yeah, I was supported big time, but I think I missed out on a lot of like, Hard lessons that I learned had mm. to learn later on during that time, yeah, as far as work is concerned. So, yeah, um, I mean, I'm glad I had the support. You know, I don't think um, it would have been fun <laughs> yeah. to not have the support.
1: It's interesting to me because I so I was a kind of supported day two from behind the scenes a lot, right? So, I went on a couple of short tours. You know, I hung out with the band in California and like went to a couple of warp, warp tours or a couple of shows and then, I think the first warp tour, but I never really did tour. And I always thought to myself, like hearing stories about it, how hilarious and fun it sounded, but also how like ridiculously hard it sounded. And so it's like, I think you learn probably some values of hard work in a different way, right. In terms of living really mm-hmm. close to, to, and learn kind of how to be selfless in some ways and to sacrifice for the good of the group. You know, I think, those are I, I mean I don't know, but I, I imagine those are some kind of different hard work lessons you can learn from yeah. being in a tour with a bunch of stinky dudes in a small small van, right?
0: Yeah, and I do think if I were a little bit older, I would have been able to be like just like a better human <laughs> in those situations, sure. like as far as like sure. the hard work of like maintaining good relationships within the band. Um but Uh, yeah like it's its own hard work you know it's not fun sleeping on a floor (laughs) um you know is it fun looking back you're like yeah yeah that's fun you know but there are there were days where i was just super tired and sometimes like you know you know when you sleep too much it just makes you feel just as bad yeah yeah like i had so many days like that where we'd have a long drive and it just drains you you know because there's nothing else to do like this is before iphones this is before sidekicks
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so when did you guys first go on tour speaking out so i'm making getting the timeline straight my head so you joined when when did you join day two like march oh
0: three so i hadn't graduated it was like march or april okay 03.
1: and how much longer after that did you guys go on like your like when did you go on tour with them for the first time
0: Okay, so I think it was like June or July. So it was like three or four months of like preparation to fin- finish the record, play our CD release show. And then we did like one Warp Tour date, like a battle, the Ernie Ball Battle of the Bands type of thing. Um,
1: so you graduated high school.
0: Right? I mean, when did the record get released, remind me? Is it- July. It was like mid-July the record got released. So and you grew-
1: basically graduated, had a CD come out, and went on tour. Yeah.
0: Wow, yeah, and um, and I think we went on tour like three weeks after the CD release show, and mm-hmm. so basically my whole summer was the band, yeah, and um, but that first tour was a lot of fun. We, I mean, I've talked about it with a couple other people on on the on the podcast series because that was like okay, I had no idea how to be uh, a booking agent. You know, I, I really didn't, mm-hmm. but I do think it, there was a, a few things that came naturally because, like, how I would try to get a job right now is almost just the same as how, yeah. a, aside from resumes, right? But like you, like the hustle, right? Like the hustle, and plus, like how you write your co- cover letter, like this is why we'd be a great fit at your venue, and then mm. you give like we have played with this band and this band and these are our accomplishments like it's not that much different and I think that just came like naturally to me and so it was like the fruition of me and Sheldon's hard work making like networking and whatnot and for the most part there were very little like canceled shows Mm -hmm. like we had a pretty good like batting
1: percentage (laughs) Uh, which is hard to do as a like touring band is starting too right
0: yeah um so we played furnace fest which you know hopefully there's gonna be a furnace fest this year um but we played like the last year before it went under
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: that gave us like some that, that did give us some like national credibility like yeah we're going out to alabama to play this great festival with Back, taking back sunday you know and so uh, immediately there's like name recognition right yeah. Yeah. um you can put your name to to their to, to theirs and it was a it was a good tour um so i was the I, furnace I, fest in
1: 2003 Is that when that was yeah 2000 okay.
0: 2003 um and so i think had that tour went badly like i don't know what i've done what i would do <laughs> mm-hmm. because it was three and a half weeks like it wasn't just like and it's 5 days and you're back home and you're glad to be back home like that's a long time yeah. to be far from far from home but I'm bumped. but uh, never and we and you know never
1: never come home never come, come home also, eventually yeah. but um <laughs> you you always do eventually
0: yeah and and so um yeah that was pretty much right out the gate that's that's what we did
1: well so i'm i'm i love the um tour stories were always as somebody that was, you know, good friends with folks in the band hearing about tour stories were my favorite thing. And to your point before, you know, iPhones and texting, even a lot of texting, you know, I get phone calls from here, or there, but I wouldn't really hear about the crazy things that happened on tour. So you guys got back and hang out, grab beers and just hear hilarious stories. And I, I think that's like, there's something about that as a bystander, you know, like a close friend hearing about, um hearing tour, tour stories like the one of my favorite things so i'm curious like what are some of your favorite memories from tour i know that you talked about some of them with the guys on previous interviews but like what when you think about touring with the band especially during that like first stretch that you did mm-hmm. what's what are some of the things that are top of mind for you yes yeah, um i think
0: that that first year so we did the um summer tour and then we do like little regional tours but i think it was our second time up in the northwest um we were getting a following up in seattle in in portland and so we we also would play shows in bremerton of mx px fame. Yeah of course um but there was one day as far as like one of the most like Beautiful days I've ever been in my life. You know, we took a ferry from Bremerton to Seattle, and I still remember that. You know, I think that was like a moment where we're just like, ah, this is awesome. You know, this is great. So that that wasn't necessarily like a fun, like a funny situation, but like it really helped cement my love for like an area of the country. Um, you know, meeting great people um in in portland and in seattle it just felt like along with california um a second home but the, the funniest story was on the worst tour we ever did um so we we talked about it a couple of times on on the series so far but there was this one tour we were trying to go out to the east coast and this band was like oh we'll book shows and then you'll book the remainder of the shows and so okay, we'll we'll do that well mm. it turns out like the first two and a half weeks were just awful because the band they didn't do their job they didn't do their we only played one show with them out of two and a half weeks out of, out of two weeks or something like that yeah that's brutal yeah it it is brutal um but once we got out of the midwest and east coast, we made our way to the south, and we had I can't remember who booked the show I think it was. Don't know if it was me or Sheldon, but it was in Mobile, Alabama. And the story was, it was two girls booked a house show. And so when you hear it's like two girls booking a house show, A, you think like, oh, they're cool. <laughs> B, it's in, I think it was a college now, I can't remember. But like, I remember us driving to the house and we were seeing all these like ornate like frat houses. You're like, oh yeah, it's going to be a frat party. <laughs> one of those shows yeah. yeah but then we took a right turn into a neighborhood and like 60 percent of the houses were dilapidated with like windows boarded up and boarded there, up yeah there was no grass which now that i live in the south if there's a neighborhood with no grass like something's wrong <laughs> because we don't even i don't being in tennessee now i don't even water my lawn
2: yeah
0: like it's
1: just <laughs> rain is here <laughs> Sounds, sounds much different from being in a dry state, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's way different. But like, I remember we pulled up to the house, was like, looking at our map quest sheets, like, is this it? Yeah, it's it. And so I remember, I, I can't remember if Jason was out with us or not at mm-hmm. that time. I don't know if he, I can't remember if he flew it or not, but we're like, who's gonna go to the door? Like, this is crazy. What's going on? So we were just scared. Like, we're in. <laughs> We're in the South, you know, we're in a really crazy neighborhood. And these two girls came out, they were both wearing a red Converse shirt. Like, so you've got like the red and then like the Converse All-Star. logo. Yeah. Yeah. They were both wearing the same shirt. They like looked like they should have been like working at Target or something. Right. And like, they weren't like attractive. This sounds really bad, but like they weren't what we were thinking, like whatsoever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Put them on a big pedestal in your mind. We, you we really
0: <laughs> <laughs> But, um, those we, poor we, girls. Yeah. But we forced Kevin to go out <laughs> to talk to them. Uh, I don't know why he, he I got the short end of this. I think it was him and Sheldon. I think it's because Sheldon booked the show. So he, went he was and, responsible. He was on the hook.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but they're like, "Do you want to go to Pensacola, Florida, and get tattoos with us?" I'm getting one at the bottom of my foot. And we're like, oh. "No, we're" because g- they see Kevin, they see Sheldon, he's they're, they're tattooed up, so they think like, "Oh, they can come with us." We're like, "No, that's okay."
1: <laughs> no, it's um,
0: and so we go inside the house like to like kind of see what's going on because it's a house show. It was the dirtiest house I've ever seen in my life. There was dog poop in the kitchen, just covered. Yeah. (laughs) It was, um, you know, the floor was like the dirtiest floor I've ever seen in my life. And I remember us like leaving the house because they went to Florida (laughs) to do their tattoos. (laughs) To
1: go get their tattoos. Yeah.
0: Um, We went to like an olive garden, which we never did, but we've kind of felt like we owed it to ourselves. (laughs) We're like, what do we do? Like, do we still. Do we still stick around like and we ended was up was there being,
1: anybody at their house or was that uh, was it was just them in like
0: in their um roommate who took a special liking to Seeger? oh <laughs> um but like at that. we at all that take time, a
1: special special liking to Seeger at one point in our lives so.
0: yeah like in and at that, that time like i don't think we even knew anyone that was like gay and so all of a sudden, like oh, in that way, got it.
1: That kind yeah, of special that yeah, that way, yeah.
0: Claire. So we're like, okay, like we're we don't have money for a hotel. We're playing this house show. We're just gonna grit through it. But actually, like five, I maybe mean, not five, but like ten to fifteen people showed up. So you did play the show we after did all play, that. Yeah.
3: In, in like the living <laughs>
1: I was
0: so, reading like, the subtext here. I thought for sure you guys bailed. But. We did not bail because we had such an awful time on tour already. We actually had a show.
1: Yeah, of course. And
0: so we we played and, you know, it's not like we stood around. Like we actually like brought it. And yeah. we like sold like $80 to $100 worth of merch. So that was like, that was cool. But after the show, we ended up sleeping in the house because like what else were we going to do? <laughs> and so I, I slept on the awful dirty floor like along with like four other four other of the dudes and a couple dudes uh slept in the van because we didn't want to get our van broken into in this awful neighborhood. Yeah. And it was it was wild, but that from that moment on on that tour things actually like got pretty good. Like things <laughs> turned to normal once we got out of that like situation.
1: That's really hilarious. I, that's honestly thinking about, you know, going on tour at the band. It's not, you know, in some ways it's glamorous In some ways it's not. It's not like you're out there making a bunch of money or really you're just doing because you love it. But looking back on it and hearing stories like that, it makes me, you know, that's in my mind, what makes it worth it, right? Being able to come back from these experiences when you're just a kid and having hilarious stories t- to tell. And I, yeah. I don't think I've he- heard that one. was great. Well, I we made I've them.
0: Clean, well, here's another thing too that we made them clean up the dog poop.
1: Well, of course you did. <laughs> can't play, in a, can't play in a show with, with dog poop on the on the ground. Yeah, I, the, I have a couple. Um, I don't know one that's top of mind for some reason, but um, I remember hearing stories about when you guys um, got a fancy mill and dined and ditched. I don't know if you're part of the band part of the band at the time but i was a part but i didn't go okay i heard all afterwards it was a great story because not only did they you know eat a big meal uh, well the the parts of the story i remember is that they knew they were going to leave before paying and so they ordered more food they would would have normally i know no i know
0: enough (laughs) of the story to recall what happened Yeah. It was it was in it was in Tempe, Arizona. Why weren't you there? Were you just so you were off doing other things? So I was pretty emo back then. (laughs) And I remember just being like honestly, like I don't I don't know if it were depressed or anything like that, but I had this relationship that was just like awful, like one-sided. And I just remember like having a particularly bad day, so I didn't go. Uh but like in i don't think i think if i were there i probably wouldn't have i don't know what i would have done like i'm glad i wasn't there though that's a thing like because i think i would have been opposed like i'm not doing it what are you guys doing i'm not doing it but the story you'd
1: you'd be you'd be the last one there having to put the bill there's There's there's, i've done i've done things like that in my life that i might not proud of but it definitely does make for a
0: amazing story right no i love hearing the story because i'm not in it because like (laughs) i probably would have (laughs) like like there's a lot of things i regret and things that like i should have done but i let like whatever attitude i had to let me not have fun i mean i guess i'm still kind of (laughs) like that but like especially back then but like that's one of the stories where like i think i would have would have made for a fun fun story like to tell kids and, and friends and whatnot but like, I do think I would have been really conflicted.
1: Well, the funniest thing I remember about it is they—I they, I remember them getting like chased out of the restaurant or something, it was right? By like chilling. the manager. Yeah, it, they got chased. The manager they got, chased them. They—they
0: they, okay? So they chased them through the Arizona State University library. <laughs>
1: like all the way through a library. Like, through the campus. Yeah. That and is a committed manager, right there.
0: Yeah, they were just, and I think, I mean, I would have hated to have run on a full stomach like that too. I'm
1: sure that wasn't, (laughs) that wasn't fun. Oh man. So um, I'm curious, like one of the things that's fun to talk about is hearing about funny stories or, you know, perspectives on kind of your relationship with the other members of the band Mm -hmm. and the dynamics and all that. So thinking of you know, the, the window of time in which we're talking about with day two, which is you, Jake, Kevin, Spicer, Sheldon. Um, what are some, like, let's just knock through each one of these band members at a time. And I would love for you to like, tell me what it was like to be in a band with them like that's Let's <laughs> that's, so Jake, you, I know you and Jake were, were pretty tight on the road. You guys like had a kinship.
4: Mm-hmm. So
1: tell me, so how, how was it being in a band with Jake? It was really easy. I mean it was like really easy
0: um you know we were listening to the same like kind of music so like if we ended up playing a band with like uh i'm trying to think of like a band that we could have played with that we would have been like stoked on um oh okay here's a crazy show that we played we played we opened for american nightmare and mm-hmm. the bled and daughters in oh yeah Seattle and i think me and jake particularly like oh daughters you know Whereas like the rest of the band was like "Eh, whatever
1: you know (laughs) so like
0: whatever like weird taste that i had i knew i could like bounce off him and i wouldn't like be like oh that's weird because i remember like listening i was really into the death cap for Cutie's transatlanticism Uh, oh yeah and but matt was like what's this you know like what's this weird stuff like what's this crap (laughs) And then, like three years later, he texts me out of the blue, like, actually, that was actually a pretty good record. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> it um, some, some time. It needs some time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Some people need some time. Um, so, yeah, it was just really fun and, and, and easy to be in a band with him. You know, no, yeah. no complaints. Um, we, who's next? <laughs> um, knock Thrill. Let's do it. Let's see. Uh, what about Sheldon? sheldon he was like he was just a good time too he was no like he was no no drama he was pretty positive you know i think um you know i would bring there are times like there there's a reason why like family members call me negative nana sometimes like even now (laughs) uh but especially back then but um i think i would come into a situation either being trying to be realistic but he was just so laid back, like, oh yeah, let's just do it.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you
0: know? And like, yeah. how can you argue against someone who's like so laid back, you know? Mm-hmm. Which was which was interesting to me, like why like the stories I gathered throughout this time was like Sheldon was the one who was like pushing. He never gave that vibe that he was like the one gung-ho guy because he wasn't like he was like the silent killer. He's like, Yeah, man, it's cool. You know, he yeah. was all, like, Let's go. Like he wasn't like the rally guy at Mm -hmm. all you know Mm -hmm. so that made it easy as well i've never i never saw him upset really about anything
1: yeah he's sheldon's um like probably one of the most laid-back dudes i've ever known one of the things i like about sheldon is like a sneaky good sense of humor yeah super funny super i I don't know what it was every time he'd say something made me laugh well so speaking of sheldon what about um i consider Seager part of day two um yeah. What was it like being with being with Seeger out on the road?
0: So being with Seeger, like I think he he taught me a lot about hard work because he busted his ass more than anyone and he wasn't even like in the band. Mm-hmm. And so he would bust my ass about a few things, you know. Like I so I was so young, I had my driver's license, but they would never let me drive the van. And so so like I didn't know where I could contribute like to hard work. At
1: all. Yeah, <laughs> lifting like, heavy like, gear. That's what Seager would, yeah,
0: would say. Grab something.
1: Yeah, Seager would say grab something. Yeah, something in here. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's pretty much what it was. And so I felt like any like hard work I would have done was partially because Seager wouldn't let me do anything otherwise. Yeah. And so whether it be because um, I'd be talking to like friends or a girl or something. And they'd be loading the trailer. And I'm like,
2: "Come on, Nantes, names, <laughs> um, yeah, names." And so, um, and
0: so, and so, that was the fun part being with him. But he was also a good time too. Like, he never, as far as I knew, he never like held that against me or anything like that. He just saw me as like the young kid. Yeah, he could he
2: could know.
1: he could give you shit and be alright. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He uh, he was always a uh, he was pretty laid back too. Honestly. The Priest Brothers, they got some on their bloods. Pretty chill. I like, I like it. So, what about um Kevin? Kevin. So, I think so. The, what I what
0: I think about Kevin is that he. I got the I got the impression that he really cared a lot too. It's like about the music or whatever like that. He was very opinionated about like how certain things like what Jake was saying that he was so precise in what he wanted to do. Because mm-hmm. um, I can be really hard headed. Um, I can be really stubborn. And I think sometimes uh, Kevin can be really stubborn too, as far as like what he wants, like musically. But when we yep. got there, we got there and it was great. So I mm-hmm. like think that like competition is not the right word, but like when you have enough people like caring about something, some it's going to go pretty well, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think like he was like, he was a really good hang too, mm-hmm. but like when it came to like practice and being in a room, it was like the iron meets the iron because like, it was me. I, like, I think in terms of like order of order of people who fought the most, as far as like for, for the music, uh-huh. it'd be like myself and Kevin up top. Um, as far as like, cause obviously Matt and Sheldon cared. Yeah. Right. But they just weren't jerks about it. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think whatever, like Vlad and Goulet, like those are good songs because for whatever reason, like me and him butting heads within that practice, it it, it created something much greater than what we could ever do ourselves, right? Mm. Like I can't write a song like Goulet on my own. I can't write a song like Vlad on my own. Even though like Kevin credits me with coming up with Vlad, a little bit. I don't have that memory, but if he has a memory, I'll take it.
3: <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: But like, I remember, and as far as being on the stage, I loved being on the stage with him because he, like, all the things I said about him in in his podcast, like being a good front man
1: mm-hmm. Like, it was
0: just fun to watch him sometimes, and some of the stuff he would do would like legitimately make me laugh. Um, f- like while we were playing. <laughs> like the things that he was describing, like going up to like girls in the crowd and like screaming in their face because they were like doing something else or if they're on there and like Nokia brick texting, he would notice that and just like, (laughs)
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, But as I, but I always knew that he cared about the music, which at that point in my life, you know, I loved Fugazi and all these like artistic bands, like, I knew I could count on him to care about that stuff. Yep. Sure. So, and plus like, and it's funny cause I, I, I don't know if you remember, we talked about on his podcast about like the stage violence of like people kicking each other.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so,
0: um so he would like kick me and then like I would get back at him. And so it kind of, it got like physical sometimes like be- between us. Um, But like, but overall, like it was a, it was a good time um, making music with him and and being on stage with him. Mm, nice. and and honestly, like all these years later, like once after we did our po- our podcast, like that was like the first time like we talked for a a long time. You know, like mm-hmm. doing these podcasts, it, like you just start talking and you do it, and we've just been talking ever since. You know, whereas nice. like we didn't like talk before. You know, and so when I talk about you know, being older and wiser, like, man, that could have been so much better had we been older.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because um, I think we could have done some some damage knowing what we know now and the skills that he has now and the skills that I have now, like,
1: but. That's the trick though, right? As you get older, you think about, man, what a, I would have been so much better at that thing if I could just go back as I am now and do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, just have that's better relationships too, you know. Yeah, I mean that's just the natural. I mean that's time, right? Time, time teaches all to not mm. suck at life. Even though, you will we'll always be learning that lesson. I think. All right. Last but definitely not least is the, um, the Matt Schweitzer. What are? What was it like being in band with Schweitzer? He was,
0: <clears throat> he was like my first taste of like true entrepreneurial like thought, mm-hmm. and attitude. Um, you know, and in, in as far as like my indie virtues back then, like he was kind of like the opposite of that where he was like, "Well, oh, let's make some money. <laughs> <laughs> so I was challenged by that too because like, A, like it would have been great to come home with certain, like with, with money sometimes, you know, <laughs> that mm-hmm. would have been cool, but like it's like, but are we selling out, you know, for some reason I cared a lot about that you know, with, with us or myself. And, um, and he was kind of like the antithesis of that, but like looking back now, I can see like, no, that's the right idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we talked about it on a couple of podcasts where, um, we had an opportunity, we had a record deal basically ready for us to sign and we didn't take it. And like, I remember just being like, why didn't we take it? like even back then, but I just didn't know enough to really like think of like why. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause I was just pretty green, you know, and I didn't have all the information. Um, but the whole idea again, like the sh- not shoulda, woulda, coulda, but like, had we, who we are now back then, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. with the way the music business was back then where record deal deals were still very important. like, we could have played that differently, but that's to no one's fault. We were just all doing what we could, but like I trusted Matt enough to be like, okay, you know, that's what we got to do or don't do, you know, but, th- but then again, I didn't have the whole story and knowing what I know now from our podcast, like it just, I don't think it's bad, bad deal. nothing we could have done about that. We We were trying to do our due diligence, but like our due diligence pissed people off sure apparently so
1: uh, but no well, it sounds it was, like you're asking are asking the right questions i guess but. yeah like but but playing in a band with him like
0: he was just solid like like trust like i trusted his judgment great drummer a lot of fun to play with like being a bass player like casey was a lot of fun to play with as far as like um making up creative stuff and being having unique things to play, but like as far as like pure
2: power, like I don't know if I've played with anyone like him. Even mm-hmm. now. Well, I'm going to take that as an
1: insult, considering I've <laughs> played drums <laughs> for you before. But You're... I definitely am not a powerful drummer.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, you you have a heavy hand at
0: times too. But like, I think you could you could say as well, like Switzer especially back then like he was just a mammoth you know he was he was a lot of fun to watch too like on stage
1: yeah very good drummer in both in terms of um you know knowing when to do i don't know as a drummer right you want to keep keep the rhythm and not get in the way you know like be the center of things but there's times where kind of knowing when to Stay underneath, and when to come up. If that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember Spitzer was good at that, like really strong, um, interesting grooves. But like his fills and his ability to like do crazy things, and the drums were always fun to watch. He's sure. a really good drummer. For sure. I, I so, do. so looking back on it, and it, even thinking about it being 2003, it makes me feel pretty old. I'm sure everyone's feeling <laughs> a little old. But like, what if what? If, so I like this idea of looking back on life and you kind of brought it up. I think it's been a recurring theme in some ways. And then you brought it up a couple of times on, on this um, show here, but, you know, thinking about things that you've learned, right? And how, mm. and how the past and, and the, the opportunity of being in the band and giving you, you know, blessed with a lot of memories and good times and good relationships, but um, good learning opportunities. I'm curious, like, kind of looking back on it now, especially now that you've been able to kind of relive a lot of it over the last couple months. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, with the shows and kind of releasing never come home. Like what's, what are some takeaways from it all? Just like generally speaking, or you know, whether it's like a, a you know, life lesson, maybe not a life lesson necessarily, but anything that's kind of like been, been, Nice for you to relive, so to speak, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's been what's been good about all the the last couple of months with all this? I th-
0: I think that what it is is just recognizing what a cool time that was. Not just like in a nostalgic way, but like I think for any of us in life, we're going to come across opportunities they can either say yes or say no to, and I feel like people just need to owe themselves a yes every once in a while mm-hmm. because you never know like it could be the the best next 2 years of your of your entire life or as far as like I'm uh, of course like marrying my wife was a cool thing having my kids is a cool thing but like I had an adventure for like 2 years
3: mm-hmm.
0: with like really rad dudes you know like and especially but, within that, like make sure you do things like you don't regret, or make sure you don't do things you'll you'll regret, yeah. you know, yeah,, uh, because sometimes like your inaction is enough to be like sometimes not doing anything is regrettable enough,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's um, true,
0: but like, but I think the memories that we have and the connection that us four have, um of course there's there's been other members before and and after. This particular lineup, but there is something about this lineup that did something special together. We shared like a lot of life with each other mm-hmm. and really, like no matter like what happened or what didn't happen, we have this connection that makes it really easy for us to be friends, even mm-hmm. like after all this time you know uh because I remember like three or four months ago, maybe even longer than that it's like I floated the idea of like, oh, let's put this up, you know, on a band text or whatever. And then like life just got ahead, ahead of it. And I couldn't like, I just didn't make time to, to do all this, but I just didn't get to putting everything together. Like all the files, like it's 20 songs. It is like actually like a lot of work, but then I just like went for it one day and and this process of like of asking for like audio files and graphic design files and whatnot, like it's it's forced us to like talk to each other a lot more, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah and so doing in doing these podcasts, like and us reacting to each other it's like, oh, that was cool. I remember that. Oh, like I appreciate you guys so much. I love you, you know. It's like a bro fest of like love. You know that yeah. only like that shared experience and, and enjoyment of each other um, can can bring, and that that's a pretty cool thing. You know, yeah. like, um, and when I'm talking about regret, like I wish I was like a certain person back then than I was now. Maybe I would have appreciated this person better, or mm-hmm. I would have appreciated the moment better, or I would have worked on more song. You know, just whatever it is, like, you know those thoughts kind of suck (laughs) you know yeah they they take up a lot of my brain space but like but when i get a text from kevin like saying i love you guys you're just like you know what i i love you too (laughs) yeah yeah um so really like the lesson is you know if if someone asks you to go on an adventure and you're 18 19 20 years old you don't have a lot of life figured out yet like just do it (laughs) just yeah. go for it. Cause like, Hey, you're going to meet a lot of great people. Like there's still people I met on those tours. I still know to this day and I still talk to and stay at their houses <laughs> when I'm driving through the country. Like when I, when I moved out to Nashville, I I stayed with my friend Jenny and, and her husband in St. Louis, you know, and yeah. we crashed at her house like four or five times.
2: Yeah.
0: And you know that's a that's a friendship that i'm i'll probably have for
1: a long time yeah so, so say what? yes to say yes to the adventure
0: yeah yes like to in because there's, <laughs> there's gonna be times in your life where you can't
1: <laughs> that's 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 real life right there yeah
0: yeah like and if you do like you're really Ad- adventure just, just looks different yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah adventure in a adulthood yeah adulthood exactly adventure.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. So, um, so yeah. there is. Oh yeah, what were we gonna say? One more thing. Um, no,
0: it, and and even then, like, there will be opportunities when you're older and you have children and in marriage. Like, sometimes you gotta just like try stuff too, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work out the way you th- you think it will, but uh, or it doesn't look the way you think it will. Because I didn't think I'd move from Utah ever, but I did. Yeah. Now here I am, you know,
1: it's a whole, whole, whole nother adventure. Uh, Two years. of have a different type of adventure there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. So sometimes you just owe it to yourself just to, just to do it.
1: I like it. I like it. Well, one one last question I have for you here. And I had texted the guys in the band and asking him, you know, is there something that I really should ask on Great. And, and and (laughs) I got a response and there's something that was extremely relevant to day history. That I need to ask you about and that. Was uh, um, and I don't have any idea what this is referring to, but I thought it was important enough for me to bring up. But does does do tight tendons mean anything to you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sheldon said, Ask him about tight tendons is extremely relevant part of the day two's history, so I figured um, I'd, I'd give I it think a shot. That's here. Arguable
0: as far as an important <laughs> part of history but i i feel like i need to explain a little <laughs> bit um,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm so glad i said this at the end after our, like opportunity to leave on this like moral high note about adventure now i've got to bring up some random thing from your past i'm both amused and feel sorry at the same time so, so carry on
3: <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> so what
0: what happened was i I'm, I'm just born like a very like stiff person so like when i was 4 and 4th or 5th grade they they actually wanted to to do surgery on both of my legs like to loosen the tendons behind i don't know if it's like acl mcl whatever like i don't i don't know but um they wanted just to loosen it up somehow i don't know how they would have done that but like it would have been like me in a wheelchair for like a, a year or you know whatever but i played a lot Church. of basketball so i said no and so like i i'm just not bendy like at all and so i don't know we were climbing a fence in Los. <laughs> oh my gosh i haven't thought about this or never i was climbing a fence on in los angeles like on mulholland drive or something we were like getting into somewhere like i don't know if it's climbing a climbing a fence yeah it sounds already like a good story and so, like, I couldn't get over, and so they were all making fun of me, like, I
3: can't do it. I have tight tendons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was L.A. But like, what's funny now is that like, I'm 35 and I actually started doing like yoga stretches, mm-hmm. so I can like actually touch my toes now nice. when I bend over. <laughs> Whereas, like, loosening up those tight tendons. I'm loosening it up. I didn't even need surgery, but um, <laughs> you know, it came 17 years too late. To save me from ridicule.
1: <laughs> well, that's but, uh, the next, again, another one of those good stories. And the funny moment that only you and a few other dudes get to uh, remember. Re- Not <laughs> to realize. ask about, apparently. Yeah, the, uh, that's the... I mean, again, it goes back to the tour thing. The funny things that you remember on tour. <laughs> like tight tendons, Well, no? I'm glad you have uh, loosened up those tight tendons. That is, that's good. The only, other, the only other thing I was going to ask you about was the, um, and then again, another tour story, but you remember when uh, Jason, I think you guys were in California, and there was like a car pulled up next to the van, and Jason thought, I, I, this, this is something I, I have to ask about because to this day, every time I see you, I say, Is that my Nana's? Is that my Nana's? <laughs> uh, there's a, a story about how Jason thought he heard a car next to you say, Is that Matt Nana's? Yeah, you. so we stayed in and San it's li- And it's lived on and into me.
0: It really has. Um, so we played, I don't know if we played a show in San Francisco or we stopped to see like Seeger's girlfriend or something like that, like an old girlfriend oh, yeah. or whatever. But we had to leave really early in the morning. And so we were on like the Golden Gate Bridge or um, another one of the bridges there. And it was like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And a guy in a taxi cab, like an Indian guy, <laughs> kind of like looked over, looked up, and we rolled down our window, and his his window was down. He's like, and then <laughs> um, I, I don't even know what he said, but Jason, um, you know, the guy who ran Outline Records, like, did you yeah. just say, "Is that Matt
1: Nadas"?
0: <laughs> and so a handful of people, when they see me, I'm like, is that Matt Nadas?
1: Does that still happen today? I mean, I know that I do that. I'm not sure if anybody you, else you does do that.
0: But... I think our friend ten. Picked up on it. Uh, Yeah. Um, And then the (laughs) date.
1: Such a random thing.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, it's been a true pleasure. I am thankful to you for um, having the conversations that you've had with each of the dudes, because it's been um, a true pleasure for me being a friend of the the band and being able to, you know, relive a lot of my own memories, you know, being in a band with Kevin before this and like them joining, making day two and being able to support day two from a design perspective and all that stuff. It's been fun for me to kind of remember all these things. Cause again, like we've been talking about it's a long time, I guess. So it's been awesome that you've been able to pull it off, get all these interviews done, get the record out. And um, when the craziness is over, we need to somehow figure out how you guys can like reunite everyone and play some music again. Oh yeah. And another thing too,
0: like I think there's been a couple of clues dropped along the way, but um we might be trying to write a song from long distance. Jake actually had a pretty great riff that he sent to us, and me and Kevin were like, oh my gosh, like that's that's really good. And so we may or may not be building a new song right now. No, no promises of what can happen or will happen, but you know, it's, it's fun to share music again and maybe maybe write the record that should have been afterwards. So who knows? Yeah, that
1: sounds fun, right? Writing a record in quarantine sounds like a very interesting and challenging uh, project. But in any case, it would be fun to, when the world feels normal again, even getting mm. like a ringing and hang sesh together would be very well received. So I think uh, so too. We'll, you'd you'd have to move back to Utah for that. I'll have to convince you to do that too. So. We'll do a Patreon <laughs> and buy me a plane ticket. Yeah, there you go. I'll get you out of here. When it happens, I'll get you out of here. So, Well, well thanks for grilling me. Yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's what you're expecting or not. Not a lot of like, only one um, embarrassing question out of the lot. So I guess <laughs> that's, that's, I, that's as much as my, how my grilling looks, I guess, but it's been a, uh, been fun chatting with you, dude. I honestly, I've, I, I t- talk to you more frequently than people probably realize. We have like a Utah Jazz thread where we talk with each other weekly, but I don't get to see your uh, hairy face much. So it's nice to nice to see you, pal.
0: Not as ha- not as hairy as it could have been. So I feel like I let you down a little bit, but it's good talking well, to. Well,
1: I mean, you do you do look a little creepier. I mean, I wish I'm people that are listening to this aren't going to be able to see your face, and I'm, I'm I feel bad about that. It is a, uh, he, he looks like a, he has a, a, a dad mustache. He's in full on dad mode. Let, let's so. see here.
0: Let's, I'm taking a picture right now Put it. on social media. <laughs> Hope you don't mind. I love it.
1: Everybody gets to, everybody gets to see what I see. I like it.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately.
3: All Sorry, right, pal.
1: I'll well, it's good to good to, good to, good to see you. Say hi to the fam. Say hi to Melissa and the kiddos. Well, uh. Hopefully, you get, get you back out here to Utah soon. I give you a big, big hug. Yeah, let I me mean, do it.
2: All right, buddy. Have a good night. We'll see you All later. Right, you too. Bye. Bye.